I didn't even IMDb that. Bam. 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 <laughs> Done. Mid-30s, and I'm still trying to figure out who I am, so. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the elephant memory on me. I'm like, your Halloween costume in sixth grade was fantastic. And I feel like just smiling more in daily life, it's so, something so simple, but it's so impactful to just smile at somebody, and it's like, you're happy. People want to be around happy people. Woo. I'm so sweaty right now. <laughs> Hopefully that's the most stressful thing I'll do today. This isn't real life. If you do this, you won't be cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to episode three of Kaboom! The Podcast with Candice and Bodie. Today, we will be discussing part one of some tips and tricks for starting a new business and all the things that are involved. I uh, just want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by CTD Realty. Uh, they are real estate and relocation experts, and they believe that teamwork makes the dream work. They can connect all the dots for your real estate needs. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Candice, how are you? Woo, I'm doing good. I always want to do like a woo woo or something. I know, right? Woo. Talking, but <laughs> I feel like that would be inappropriate. So, just yeah. that I think it. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm doing well. How are you, buddy? I can't complain. It's a beautiful day. I love fall, yeah. and uh, if it could just stay like this for the entire year, I would be a happy person. I know Costco has Christmas ornaments out. I actually <laughs> am like in holiday mode now. Oh yeah! As soon as the uh, as soon as the Christmas ornaments come out in Costco, it's it's game time. So. <laughs> I'm like, cool, I can start buying presents and everything is going to be on a roll. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I wait till like uh, December 24th. I'm like, oh, I think I need to get some presents. <laughs> so I stay up till like 4 a.m. wrapping presents. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, man. I have a whole like philosophy around presents that's pretty elaborate. So we'll go into that in another, in another time. But I put so much <laughs> pressure on myself for presents because I feel like it's a reflection of how well you know the person and like kind of where they rank in your life and you have to show them you appreciate them. And it's like this whole thing that becomes very complicated. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you just missed my birthday, Candace. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> you know what's funny? You're not going to believe me, but I totally have a, a pile for you on my table. It includes the book Outliers. So <laughs> when I send it, I still need to get your address though. Don't say it on the podcast. <laughs> You'll get way too many fan letters, buddy. Yeah, I would, I would hate all the, the yeah. fan mail <laughs> oh, or, or the, okay. the hate mail. <laughs> uh-huh. I know. Okay. So today, though, we are talking about uh, businesses, yeah? Yeah, businesses okay. and starting a new business and mm-hmm. some things you need to do and what's involved. So, mm. you know. Okay. Oof. Oof. Lots of information. <laughs> Oof. So, going on there. <laughs> Um, okay, so just so our listeners are aware, we're going to do kind of a quick overview for this. Well, not a quick, but an overview at this point. And then we're going to do some deep dives in subsequent podcasts to further elaborate on the subjects that we talked about today. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I think, what do you think the first uh, step is? Because I have my own versions of things. But what do you think the first step is? Here for business planners. So my first step would always be one, find what you're going to do, but it's simple. It's silly. It's true. Mm-hmm. Be passionate about whatever it is that you're going to do. Yeah, for sure. 
So, so that would be the first step, find passion. Because if you're starting your own business, we all know that there's trials and tribulations and um, some businesses turn out awesome and others you got to grind a little bit harder and mm-hmm. it's something you're going to be doing. Possibly for the rest of your life, you need to be passionate about it. Yeah, I totally agree. It's funny because for any job that is like you're on somebody else's payroll, I think that a lot of people have a passive interest in what they're doing, but they can justify it not being their passion because it's their paycheck mm-hmm. when you really have to immerse yourself in something that's very expensive and all consuming. You have to be passionate about it because you're going to run out of steam a lot quicker. So yeah, my, my first thing um, is super aligned with the passion concept. And for me with all the businesses that I've ever started or have consulted for um, the first step for me is like take an audit of my own strengths and weaknesses around whatever the concept is and go, how much of this could I really carry myself? Like how well do I understand this field or, um, you know, maybe the market that I'm stepping into and how much of it do I really understand versus need to outsource, Mm -hmm. which I think is really aligned with passion. Cause if it's something that you've been passionate about throughout your life, you probably have a really thorough understanding of it and your knowledge base is probably a lot broader than somebody that is just like, oh, that's an emerging market. Let me join. Right. And we all know about, you know, emerging mar- emerging markets, um, especially <laughs> especially in the state of Oregon. Yeah. I know when the last time you've been to Oregon, but there's a lot of new shops that have been popping up over really? the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. I picture most of them being like um, vegan chocolate and like farm fresh eggs. That's maybe mm-hmm. I- I maybe watch too much Portlandia, but that's kind of how I picture it. Pretty much. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's Which I really like, by the way. Not knocking it. I think that's fantastic. Um, side note for you, the noise that you keep hearing, it's not farts. It's my chair. Oh, perfect. So, cool. Yeah. Just in case <laughs> Just, you were like in the back of your mind, like, oh man, she has a really bad guest today. Okay. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always blame it on the chair, Candace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the oldest one in the book. Not Just saying. Fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that's what that the podcast there. is going to be about uh, today. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, talking about strengths and weaknesses, I always try really hard to be super, super honest with myself and, like, borderline critical um, in terms of analyzing, like, how much of this can I really do? How much do I understand versus how much more research do I need to do? Or how reliant do I need to be on other people that I hire or outsource for different tasks. So that's kind of where I go first. Yeah. I mean, and that's a great, that's a great, you know, place to start. Um, I I think as I've aged, I've been able to take a look in the mirror and realize what some of my strengths or weaknesses are. Um, I remember when I was a a high schooler, I read this quote and I don't remember the quote exactly, but it was like, sometimes your biggest strength is being aware of your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I remember being a, a young, arrogant teenager, and I'm like, whoa, I don't have any weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, those were my thoughts. Like, I, I don't have any weaknesses. I am invincible. You know? Yeah. And then life happened. And mm-hmm. then I realized, oh, yeah, you definitely um, have yeah. weaknesses. <laughs> uh, yeah. fun, a fun book that actually helps um, identify strength finder 2.0 yeah have you ever looked into that book i have and i love it it's a great book yeah 
Yeah. I haven't visited for a while, and I think that my strengths may have changed over the years. I should almost um, go take the test again just to see. Uh, but, yeah, Strengths Finder 2.0, I think, was written by Tom Rath. Yeah. So if you ever get a chance, take a look at that. That could be even a good, you know, point to start if you're thinking about, you know, creating a new business. Like, boom, that's what I'm good at. Uh-huh. There's a couple, that's a great book. And there's a couple of tests that are wonderful for that too. And it's funny because mine have stayed identical all of my life. Um, I took the test a couple of different times throughout my life. And it's kind of funny because I'm consistently, both my personality types and my um, leadership style and all of those tests that kind of go into Persigenics or um, like Myers-Briggs all of those kinds of things. I'm consistently an ENTJ mm-hmm. and consistently <laughs> a dominant <laughs> expressive. And, um, and it's yeah. funny, but like, even like the Tony Robbins website, if you're, if you're ever on the, have a free link to, um, doing an assessment and it's kind of like more personality based, but the reason why it's good to incorporate for business owners is because it shows them kind of like their leadership style and, um, where they might maybe face some challenges in terms of coaching a team or um, some people aren't good at being mean. Like one of the things that I've found is that I have a really hard time expressing my dissatisfaction with people when they've tried really hard. Like I really value effort over the result. (laughs) (laughs) A for effort. A for effort. Yeah. And that's a really difficult spot to be in as a business owner because you're like, you did not provide me any value here, but you tried so hard that I just love you for it and I can't hurt your feelings. So like for me, I really need somebody to be the bad guy um, and like maybe express things in a more stern way because I'm very much like, <laughs> I love all of you. That's why I hired you. And it doesn't always <laughs> yeah. pan out the way it should. Yeah. You need to outsource an enforcer. I really, I really do. Just bring me in. I'll, I'll be the enforcer. <laughs> I was be like, hey, you failed. You, you failed. suck. You're fired. No, I'm I'm terrible because I'm like, you have such a nice you're such a nice person that you can have a C average and I will I will give you I'll find things that will meet your needs as long as you stick around because we will grow to be, you know, whatever it is. I really have this concept that like if you hire someone and you train them, you should never fire them. You should just adapt to their skill set, right? Like you should just figure out what it is that they're good at as long as they're a good person because there's so many people that are great at one thing, but like they're shitty people. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, anyway. shitty people. Ugh. Anyways, that's what- So, it, no, speaking of that, it's funny. Um, there's a personality that I follow online uh, occasionally. His name's Darren Hardy. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of him? So if you get a chance, check him out. He's like this motivational speaker, author. Um, but he always gives little tips and tricks and tidbits and quotes kind of to start your day. And recently he had a little vlog that uh, one of his employees failed. Yeah. And he said, sometimes you just need to let them know that they fail. Yeah. And it was, it was weird. It almost felt like, uncomfortable watching this because I'm, you know, I'm similar. Like, Hey, the guy tried his, tried really hard, but he missed his Uh goal. And Darren just said, if this guy's going to get better, he needs to take that ownership and that accountability and realize that he failed 
And the fact that he failed, it's on him. Mm-hmm. So how is he going to figure out, you know, what, what's he going to do to change his ways so he doesn't fail next time? And sometimes you just need to have that hard, hard conversation and say, look, I get that you tried, but you failed. Well, and yeah, it's funny because, you know, oh, damn it. I'm doing it again. I'm doing it. It's funny because I'm going to stop that. That's been the best part about this podcast is in each recording, I have some other nonsense phrase that I cling to and I repeat it like 20,000 times. So I'm going to try really hard to eliminate that this time. Um, (laughs) Self-improvement. Yeah, self-improvement. Plus, we can create some really fun drinking games. So anytime (laughs) Candace says it's funny because take 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 a a drink of coffee. (laughs) Espresso. Espresso. Um, Right. I was going to say that Part of being a good manager or a good leader is understanding what motivates people. And I think that there's, you know, it's unique. People have unique responses to criticism, just like they have unique responses to praise. Me, for example, I'm not really that motivated by praise. I am more motivated by people telling me that I can't. And anytime I hear doubt, I have this deep-rooted need to prove them wrong. So like in a sales environment, I am much more successful when people kind of talk shit. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like, really? Really you think you're going to, you know, do X number more than me? Watch me. Watch me pass you. Um, so I feel like it just depends on the person. And part of being a great leader is knowing who's on your team and playing to whatever it is that, that is their personal motivator. Like other people really need public recognition. So Mm -hmm. I've been on a lot of teams where it's like people really need some sort of visual acknowledgement, like a trophy or a certificate, or they need some sort of like, they need to be pulled up at the meeting where it's all hands and they need to be publicly clapped for and congratulated versus like, I'm, I'm super embarrassed by that. And I hate it. I'm like, (laughs) leave me alone. Um, Never clap for me. I just want to be on the leaderboard. No one talk to me. Uh, but it just depends. And I think, I think identifying, you know, who benefits most from what is, is a huge part of being a boss. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, I mean, that brings up another point in starting your own business, starting your own business isn't necessarily for everybody. And it does take a certain personality who's, you know, willing to, to become a leader and take risks. Um, that, you know, type of person is someone that maybe starting a business is for because, I know plenty of people who, you know, haven't have a nine to five and they like their job and they're comfortable and that's all they want to yeah. do. You know, I know people that have um, worked for the same company for 30 years and never taken a promotion because they were comfortable or complacent and there's people out there, but, you know, I think fortunately I'm not one of those people, nor are you, you know, and uh, that's what, you know, that's what's fun. And that's why we do things like starting up podcasts and, and, you know, distilleries and real estate and all the other, you know, various things. Um, and (laughs) it's just, yeah, the, the, the things that motivate people, it's different for every individual. And and I love hearing that because, you know, personally I like praise. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Like put me at the top leaderboard and be like, Bodie did awesome. I will get up in front of everybody. Uh Yeah, that's me. I did it. I won. I'm the best. Uh, (laughs) if you're not first, if you're you're not not first, you're last. So, uh, I know. I uh, speaking of Talladega Nights, I I pretty frequently say winners winners get to do what they want, except I'm except I'm being facetious, of course. But 
Right. Anyways, yeah, I think I think so. Uh-huh. Part of it too is um, having an ego that can handle failure, because right. ultimately you're not going to win them all. Is reality, and right. if you're a person that's crushed by the concept of failure, you're never going to be um, successful in business. Because at some point, there's going to be some maybe maybe not the thing as a whole, but some of the parts maybe you'll need to work out. And you can't be embarrassed or ashamed or afraid negative feelings. You have to be like, okay, this is a learning opportunity. And where do I go from here? And you also have to be able to afford to fail. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) One of the, (laughs) one of the more important parts of being a business owner too is calculating your risk and being conscious mm-hmm. of your investment and understanding that most things take twice as much money as you initially initially what's initially i'm not sure <laughs> initially initially, as you initially mm-hmm. estimate <laughs> it's um, a new word and yeah. you know you have to be prepared to risk whatever amount that is and go again or go harder you know when you've learned whatever you needed to learn from the first round so um, and a lot of times you have to be able to do that with other people's money because let's be real, most of these businesses are funded by um, investors or, mm-hmm. you know, series A, like a round of capital or a loan that you pay off forever and ever. Or, you know, mm-hmm. So you have to really know what you're getting yourself into and who you're accountable to financially. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that's a great point too. And it's, it's at, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, pr- protecting yourself and the people who are important to you. And I think one of my little pieces of advice for starting a business would be start a business while you're still employed. Yeah. Um, because, you know, that, that mitigates a little bit of the risk. And, um, you know, if, if you're still employed and you've got an eight hour job every day, guess what? You've got another 16 hours to each day that you can commit somewhere else. Granted, I know we all have to sleep, but um, really, you know, look at time management and what are you doing with your time when you're not at your at your day job if you're looking to start a new a new business. And you know, like you said, capital is huge, and you know, not doing it alone is really big. So finding trusted partners, um, investors, etc., is a, is a big part of the equation. Yeah, it's uh- you no. Know? Some people, you know, it can either be really exciting or really scary. And the concept of spending other people's money is really stressful for some people. And for other people, like for me, for example, I view it as though you're always spending other people's money, right? Because time is currency. So it's like anybody that Mm -hmm. takes a meeting with you for any length of time or anybody that takes a risk on you as a customer, like you're spending their money. So if you're a considerate person and you're conscious of what you do with it and you make the most of it. And there's a lot of people that I think are not as um, conscious of the fact that they're constantly spending resources with amounts of money um, in a lot of different areas. A lot of people think unless they write a check to pay a bill that they're not really spending the money, but it's like, no, you're, you wasted four hours on that project that you ultimately did not execute. Therefore you spent that money. You know? So. Right. 
Yeah, I think we had a similar conversation in a previous podcast about, you know, assigning a dollar value to your, your time um, and, and what's it worth to you and what are other people worth. And it's always fun to think about that because I'm a, I'm a big believer in time is money and um, total, total side note, but uh, this is fun. And it's about a recent purchase that I made. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it goes hand in hand with the time is money thing. I've got two kids. I've got two dogs. And my children make a mess and my dogs are dogs, right? I let them in the house. And so we're constantly vacuuming. I made a purchase recently and I got a Roomba. (laughs) And it sounds so silly, but I swear to God, I've got like three hours back in my week. Is it a nice purchasing this? No, it's the actual Roomba. It's like the iRobot. Oh, okay. And speaking of... Costco, you know, yeah. we were at Costco yeah. and I was looking at Dyson's and I'm going, you know, these are cool. They're cleaners, but you know what they don't do? They don't vacuum themselves. <laughs> they, <laughs> they are not automated. This is cool, but it's not a robot. Lines. Yeah. Did you know it's that it cool, can dance for you? The, the Roomba, Roomba can dance. Yeah. It can't, I promise. I know. My, uh, I need to. <laughs> yeah, my let's see, high school boyfriend, a long, 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 mm-hmm. long time ago, worked for iRobot for like an internship, and he would yeah. he would have fun going into sharper image and being like, see something you yeah. don't know. <laughs> and he would like <laughs> click the buttons in some crazy pattern, and the Roomba has all sorts of stuff that it's programmed to do that people don't know about, like dancing. Okay, this is on my to-do yeah, list. Yeah, you got to uh, it. It I'm may sure be a waste some, of time. Some but... blog somewhere where they have, like, press this sequence yeah. of buttons, and it'll tell you how to make the Roomba dance. Yeah, dancing Roombas mm-hmm. is in my near future, I promise um, But I will say, I <laughs> mean, so... no hate, but the Roomba does not do as good a job as the Dyson. We have the Dyson, and it's fantastic. It's literally the best vacuum of all time. And I want everything Dyson makes. As a side note, I want everything. I think drink when I say side note this episode. But Dyson has those cool fans. Have you seen their heating and cooling systems that are bladeless? The air yes. blade? The air blade that's bladeless? Yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> it works so yeah, well. So, uh, Dyson makes really cool products. They're, you know, I think they're ahead of the competitors for sure. And that's why they're the best selling vacuum. In the United States, I may know this based on some of the work I do in floor covering. Um, side note, <laughs> I believe that uh, Dyson's void carpet warranties. <laughs> yeah, not trying to throw Dyson under no. the bus, but uh, there's, this, there's this website called the, and this is total, I mean, we're going on a total t- tangent <laughs> here, but the Carpet and Rug Institute of America. Wow. And they certify vacuums. And I don't know if there's any certified vacuums by Dyson. There may be now. I haven't looked, so don't hold me accountable for this. Okay. But uh, I knew at one point Dyson's weren't certified by the Carpet and Rug Institute, which is crazy. Because That's because winners get to do vacuum. what they want, Bodie. Yeah, winners get to do what they want. If they're not first or last, <laughs> they'll go buy a Dyson. They don't care about that. <laughs> they, got other, they got big plans, okay? They don't need that certification. They don't need certification. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, too, like, um, market research 
is a really, really good place for people to start too. Even before you right. any wasted time on a business plan, I think market research is great. And um, you will find such unique perspectives on products that you had no idea. Like there's certain things that I have had so much fun with the feedback. And then there's other projects where I've been completely shocked because people have told me things that I never, ever, ever considered. And, um, I have one, I have one thing in mind, but I'll share it with you briefly. <laughs> um, and I, we may have had this conversation. I think, yeah. what you're talking about, yeah. um, yeah. but that's so true. Yeah. You need to research to see what's already out there, what the competition is, you know, what's your area for opportunity. Uh, and you know, research is always key whenever you're going to start anything new. Um, there's been times where I thought I had a brilliant idea and I went to do some research, just a simple Google search for X, Y, Z. And guess what? There's already 10 companies that have been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. how did I never know this? You know, I, I guess I would be a little late to the game. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll table that idea for some, well, other, some other lifetime. Yeah. Yes. And no, it's funny. One of my business groups, somebody posted a picture and it said, um, in case you are concerned about competitors in your marketplace, take a walk down the bread aisle. And it showed a picture of the bread aisle at the grocery store and just top to bottom rows and rows and rows of all different brands of white bread. And mm -hmm. I felt like that was so cool because, you know, as long as you are disruptive or have some sort of differentiator, you are still really successful. Marketing automation, for example, when I first started in marketing automation, I worked for a company called Acton. And Acton's initial um, way, they sort of were the last wave of big companies to get into the marketing automation field. There was already established competitors like Marketo and Eloqua, but they came in like mm -hmm. the scrappy underdog. And their play was, we don't want Fortune 500s. We don't want enterprise companies. We want mom and pops. And we want to bring this amazing technology to people that don't know how to code and wouldn't normally have budget for it. And we've created this still high-tech interface that does a lot of amazing things that you still have a little bit of a learning curve to kind of get on board with it. But once you understand it, you don't have to come from a technical background to implement it and to have it grow your business for you. And their, their entry point, the price point was so low compared to all their competitors that it didn't matter that they um, hadn't been around for the previous timeline. It was just like, hey, now we're on the scene. People that understand what this is and what it does, we're going to capture it's going to be a land grab and we're going to run, you know? So yeah, as long as you're doing something a little bit different, it's the same thing with real estate, right? Like real estate right now is completely under attack in terms of the traditional model. Yeah. Right. You've got everyone from Redfin who does it for an hourly rate to, you know, these companies where you can book their showings yourself to even like Amazon is getting into the game. Speaking of Amazon again, Right. Amazon's just waiting to take over the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it's like, as long as you do something a little bit different than the other guys and you make it, I think the key too is um, finding marketers that are able to convey what it is that you do uh, and the value, because a lot of people get really caught up, especially in like the tech industry, people get really caught up in functionality and listing off like 
here are the features of this, right? And they forget to list the benefits. They forget to, like, when you're talking to people, you have to talk in terms of how it helps them, not what your product does. Right. The the why behind it. Yeah. It's cool to talk about the features, but it's why does this feature make this particular product special? And I want to hear real world examples. Yeah. And I think too, a lot of, I, yeah. a lot of people, um, when they create like their slide deck or their sales demo, they forget to customize it. Like it's really, really easy to see kind of like who's a rookie in the sales industry versus who knows how to do the job because, you know, sometimes I'll get presentations from people and I'm like, they didn't put my logo on the first slide and they didn't talk about how this plays into my business or my website. Um, you know, it's, they haven't tailored any of their presentation to aspects of this software that matter to me. They had, they'd never asked me what my pain points are or, you know, there's a lot of qualifying around, can you afford it? What's your timeline? Are you a legitimate prospect? But then a real salesperson will go the extra mile and say, okay, now I'm going to show you, I'm going to ask you what your challenges are right now. And I'm going to show you how this tool can eliminate those challenges. And that's the key. That's the key. You find the pain points, you figure out how to eliminate those pain points, and then you make the sell. I mean, it's as simple as that. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot involved in that, but I mean, you hit it, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head though. That's spot on, you know? And I think that you're right. A lot of, um, even, even seasoned sales veterans forget to tie it back to the customer and what's important to them rather than just, you know, blurting out some company jargon. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I don't even like to be considered a salesperson. You know, I'd rather be considered a consultant because I feel like that's what I do. I go in and I consult and, you know, that's something to keep in mind if you're starting a new business, um, you know, consult, Mm -hmm. find out what the problems are, find out what the pain points are, find out where the market, you know, needs improvement and then, you know, direct your energy towards that. Yeah. So I I love that. I love that. Go ahead. No, I just, I, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to take what you said. I'm going to record it. I'm going to listen to it every morning (laughs) because I think it's great. I think, um, I think it's funny because there's so many styles for selling things and people, I think, underestimate the value too of like SDRs and people whose job it is to just kind of get the foot in the door. Um, so for those of the listeners out there who might know what an SDR is, will you let them know? What did you say, buddy? Sorry, you cut out. Oh, no worries. I said, so for the listeners out there that don't know what an SDR is, can you oh, enlighten yeah. them? That's a sales development representative. So typically uh, in a company, there would be an SDR who supports a sales team or pr- possibly a particular salesperson. And what their job is, is to cold call or follow up on warm marketing leads and set appointments. So their entire job is just to be hung up on or misunderstood. <laughs> or, <laughs> or Yelled at. Ridiculed. Yes, they really are a glorified telemarketing position, but for a lot of um, technologies, for example, like an email marketing company, they're they're really trying hard to spend the first twenty seconds that they're on a conversation to explain your value and why it's worth your time to set a meeting with a salesperson, a consultant, if you will, who can then um, 
take the ball and, you know, dunk it or touch down it or whatever you want to say, whatever sports analogy you want to use. Goal! (laughs) It took me living in England to understand how many sports references I use. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so deep in my um, lexicon that I, I don't even realize as I'm doing it until I'd be having these conversations with British people and they'd be like, what do you mean, you know, score or touchdown or like, cause they don't put any of those words. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, slam dunk when we'd get some success. And they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Um, um, if it doesn't relate to soccer, then it just doesn't it's relate. It's football. Right? Actually, they, <laughs> oh, yeah, football. They Excuse say, me. They'd be like, bollocks more than, or rubbish. They'd say rubbish. They wouldn't say what I said. But yeah. Um, okay. Where was I? I got way off track again, Bodhi. Sorry. Yeah. I, I think that's just the way it goes sometimes because now all I'm thinking about is the movie Green Street Hooligans. Yeah. Well, we sort of skipped ahead to the end because my last little bullet point <laughs> on here was like, Find a good team that's not afraid to put your product in front of people's faces. And then it takes two kinds of people, right? It takes the person that's able to kick the door down or get it open at least. And then it takes the person that's able to kind of be softer and um, consult or or maybe they are a person that wants to challenge your sale. I don't know. But um, having people that kind of have those strengths, like one of my jobs we did this very intensive training around flexing your style to whoever's on the other end of the phone and ways that you can tell what sort of a, a person you're dealing with based on the way that they engage in the conversation from the beginning. For example, if somebody um, is kind of aggressive when they answer the phone and is really um, assertive, I guess would be a polite way to say mm-hmm. it, then that's a person that just really wants to get to the point. They don't want all the fluff of the storyline behind why they just want, you know, give me the three details that are going to provide me value and skip all the other shit versus if you get somebody that's like, Oh, my morning's great. I saw three birds and I muffins and la la la. Like that's a person that if you just get right to the throat and you go for, you know, you go for the blood, that person's going to be really put off. They're going to be like, you didn't even feed me muffins. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's what good consultants do is they can navigate that and read people. Um, and I, I think some of the best salespeople in the world, you know, maybe might've been some of the best psychologists in the world yeah. in their life because there's so much psychology in, involved in sales. Um, and anytime you bring up these examples, you know, obviously you have to, I related to myself and I'm just thinking, I'm the guy, I want to hear the, I want to hear the three reasons why it's good. I don't have time to sit here and talk to you about the muffins yeah. and the birds <laughs> and the sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know like, what's in it for me? I'll give you time. I'm not that much of a, you know, jerk to be like, Hey, go after yourself. Right. But at the same time, it's like, get to the point. <laughs> well, and too, like a lot of times the people that want the roses in the story are the people that are the gatekeepers, right? So you have to have that mm-hmm. understands, okay, to get to this person that's a C-suite person, I have to feed muffins to their gatekeeper who is their executive assistant or whatever role they might have, but they're going to be the person that either passes me through or throws me away. So what exactly do I have to do to exactly. get myself to the next step in my sales cycle? Um, which again, all the nuances of that are different are a different conversation, but I think that hiring um, and knowing what you're looking for, it's kind of the whole like 
seven habits thing. Have you read the seven habits of highly successful people? You know, I think I have the book sitting on my shelf <laughs> and I've yet to read the book. Like I own the book and I've never okay. read the book. So I need to read the book because it's like I, everything I've been told. It's one it of the really best. It really is timeless. And one of the things that he talks about in there is, is begin with the end in mind. And I really repeat that to myself all the time in a lot of different arenas, but beginning with the end in mind, right? You mm. go, okay, this is what I want people to do ultimately. So working backwards, what, what do I need to look for in my interview process? What do I need to write in my job description that will attract that type of a person, right? That way you're not wasting your time because once you've made the investment in interviewing somebody and you know, doing all their background checks and calling all their references and then making them an offer. And then you've hired them and you've trained them. I mean, by the time they actually start their job, you have such an immense investment in that person that if you get it wrong, you're kind of screwed as a business owner because you can't recoup that loss and you don't have time to train somebody else. You kind of have to write it out and hope for the best because, you know, 60% is better than nothing, right? 60% is better than zero, but you could have had somebody that got you 98% of your quota or something. But right. But yeah, beginning with the end in mind is one of his lessons in the seven habits of highly successful people. And I really think that it's important to incorporate when you're starting a business. Um, like, where do you want to be ultimately at the end of the six months down the road, a year down the road, five years down the road? What does that look like? Yeah. And that's, that's great. I mean, you got to look at the end game because if you don't, why, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, back to the wise. Um, I'm going to make it a goal to read that book this week. I think <laughs> like, I really think you would love it. it. I promise you it's a time well spent. It's great. It's got so many good nuggets. So, I mean, with that being said, I think that we've really given some good nuggets to the listeners today. Yeah. Um, Great start, great overview of, you know, not just starting your own business, but some sales strategies in general. Um, so, I mean, I'm really looking to hearing what you have to say next week in part two of this episode. Um, and okay. I, uh, and what? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I think that sounds great. Yeah. So next week, um, yeah. I think it'd be really fun to talk about like some of the more detailed aspects of launching a business, like picking a name and um, logistics, like filing a DBA or getting permits or resale license or whatever might apply to your industry. And then also things like how to optimize your website and make it a tool as opposed to it just being a stagnant blog or a business card, that kind of thing. Perfect. So yeah, I say we do that. I'll look forward to part two of this series who knows how many parts there may be, this could be. <laughs> this is maybe just part sure. 10 and 12 for the rest of our lives yeah, yeah. this could go on forever, forever. <laughs> i like it cool okay thanks for your time today, right. Bodie. yep thanks for your time we'll look forward to catching up on uh part two and um go out there and let's go out there and make it yeah. happen everyone just go out there and make it happen yeah we're at the end of the quarter let's go kick ass <laughs> yeah yeah, kick ass. We got like five days. days. Crush it. Crush it, buddy. Yep. All right. All right. Talk to you soon.